It's Willie Diggs bringing you, bringing you the best. Okay, so, so we're back here again on the show, and we were just discussing how Narek would not trade in this time period for any other time period because of how useful our technology is, especially the phone and how much education and how much knowledge you could have at the palm of your uh, your hands and your fingertips so easily. Now, this plays into a totally separate question, which I have, but this question involves that technology. So we're at the inception of artificial intelligence, and I'm, I'm not referring to artificial intelligence being Siri or basic artificial intel- intelligence. I'm referring to the artificial intelligence that they're talking about reaching, which is you know, a technological robot which can do anything that a human can except better. So being able to run faster, being able to sing a song better, being able to act in a movie better, essentially having a consciousness and being able to do anything that a human can do 10,000 times better. So they're saying that, you know, being able to teach itself, eventually, if they could get get it to a point where it could teach itself at such a high rate that within three hours, it could be like 20 billion times smarter than Einstein. So if potentially, uh, you know, who knows when this could happen, whether it's 100, 500, 1,000, 2,000 years from now, but eventually if it does get to that point, whenever that may be, where do you see things going? Or do you see us eventually getting to that point? And do you see AI potentially wiping out humanity like we are spam? In an, in an email inbox or do you see them thriving with us like Star Trek and like data have you watched Star Trek or not much no but I, I, I know a bit about enough to know where you're going with that yeah that's, that's essentially what data is on the show he's an right, artifi- right, right. artificial artificial robot that can sure. do anything that he's like can Hal do better. in 2001 right oh what a question that <laughs> I told you these were high level <laughs> they are and I, I love them it's awesome so I, I subscribe to Skeptic Magazine. Uh, Michael Shermer is the uh, editor, chief editor of Skeptic Magazine. They're always thought-provoking articles in there. And usually the highlight article has an expert from pro and an expert against whatever the topic may be. And that, I remember issue from last year, or the, maybe year before, can't remember. But it was on this very question. The benevolence of artificial intelligence or their maliciousness toward humans, potentially which is more likely and why you know I, the the assumption generally with artificial intelligence becoming malevolent and dangerous to the human species essentially the argument necessarily assumes that they would one have the ability to think that way like we understand things of um, so so anger and resentment and vitriol sort of uh, and maliciousness toward others, and that that so that's one, and that even if they could, that they would in fact choose to behave this way versus being benevolent. Th- these are obviously it's a shot in the dark. Nobody knows. If you if your question is, is it possible that they delete us essentially like 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 some spam and in a spam junk folder? Yes, sure. Nothing's impossible. It's it's also possible that that the. You know that that's not what happens. Essentially, that they never attain the ability to think like a human thinks, and by that I mean sentience, right? 
So a robot may be able to, you know, Boston Dynamics, I think, is the cutting-edge ones where they have these dogs and even the stand-up, so bipedal type robot. Now it's opening doors and cupboards and you know, jumping over things, and they keep getting better at this. And we're talking very far into the future. Well, you sure, know, If sure. you're talking 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 years Yeah, it grows exponentially, future. right. And so maybe then they attain the ability, uh, they attain attain sentience, right? Sentience meaning that they can think, they know that they exist, just like you and I are having this conversation. Although I know the philosophers listening right now will go like, well, do you really? And that's a different conversation. And yeah, how do you know you exist? I think therefore I am, right? But, you know, assuming they do, but then again, that begs the question, then you'd have to wonder what would be their benefit? What would be their uh, incentive to behave this way? Assuming they also need us for their existence, right? For their production and their livelihood at this point they're living. What would be their reason to uh, be so hell-bent on genocide, essentially, wiping out a human species? Can it happen? Sure. I mean, again, there are good arguments made on both sides. I can't remember the article. Well, well I wish I did, but that's a, yeah, this is why you got to brush up on certain things. I, mean, I didn't know you were going to ask me this. <laughs> but I'll have to go back and read that article, and I had, I had some... Um, areas highlighted I'm going to go back and see some of my notes and see what it was because I remember that it was a very good one the guy arguing against the notion that they're going to turn us into paper clips essentially it's sort of the paper clip making factory or something like that that's a joke um, where you in- make infinite paper clips or something like that as a human you're relegated to that role <clears throat> or serving as energy to them like have you seen the matrix I haven't, no. I really oh, haven't. Oh, my gosh. I have not seen it. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Reveal. I, I know about it. I've seen snippets of it. I've, I've, I've never I've never gotten into it. Oh, so, no. you so. got to watch it. <laughs> it's bad, huh? you got to watch it. Uh, it's relating to exactly what we're talking about. I see. So, in the Matrix, humans serve as an energy source? Oh, I'm not going to give it away. Oh, okay. Fair. I'm not going to give it away. Oh, I'll have to watch it then. Yeah. There's three parts. They're about to come out with part four. But, oh, really? But the first one, I would say, is the best. Yeah, that's when... Uh, how old were we when that came out? It was the 90s, no? 99, yeah. Yeah, right around the turn of the century. Yeah, I remember it was a huge craze. I never... I, I just... I didn't get into fantasy stuff as a kid. Maybe that's why. It's but a must-watch. It's different as an adult, for sure. You know, AI is huge. You know, we're... You, you can think into the deep, deep future, and that's certainly worthwhile, but you can also think in the immediate future with, you know, things like, you know, um, automated machinery, and there are practical implications here. You know, they take over jobs, right? The trucking industry might, you know, self-driving vehicles, things like that. That is some category of artificial intelligence, if you will. These aren't the type of robots we're talking about here, but it's on the path toward that. And it raises ethical dilemmas and questions, certainly practical ones. It's good in some ways, it's bad, bad in others. But therein lies the point. I mean, as I was mentioning to you about the phones, there is no panacea with anything. Nothing is perfect and never will be. A lot of people have a lot of misgivings or just complaints about smartphones and that they've taken to consume so many people's lives and stuff, which is true. There's good reason to voice concern and be exasperated over how much people are spending time on their phones these days. But at the same time, you know, the fact that I don't have to deal with a Dewey Decimal System at a library where I have to go open a drawer, and I never even really learned that. When I was in elementary school, it may have still vaguely, it was kind of going the way of the dinosaur at that point. So then we never really learned to do a decimal system. But that's how for a good chunk of a period in the 20th century in this country, probably even before, people would locate things at a public library, you know, 
by the catalog card basically and then and then, and then you'd go and look at the card and then go find the book now it's all digital essentially now you don't you might not even have a step foot into a library everything's becoming digitized essentially the entire i think uh, university libraries are being placed onto into the cloud system and in the palm of your hand you can read pretty much any book of literature from the classics on down and any sort of paper on any uh, study that you wish if you have access to them of course that is an immense sort of a, a, a immense thing to have it's it's immensely beneficial and i wouldn't trade that yes with any other time period in human history to have the entire world's information to palm my hand now i can also play mindless games on it all day or watch mindless memes all day on it who's stopping me from doing which right I'm the end user. I can think for myself, at least I hope so, right? And I can otherwise fend for myself. I should be able to also decide for myself what I want to do with this phone. I can travel halfway across the world. I can go to a complete different continent and at almost at the speed of light, literally be speaking with FaceTiming or video chatting with somebody, a family member here in Los Angeles. That is an, obviously a modern phenomenon. When you traveled on the Titanic, for example, or, you know, in the in the 19th century, in the 20th century. And when you left, you really left. I mean, you're lucky if your letter got to its destination that you wrote months after you had written it, if it got there. When you left, that was it. People didn't see you. If you went overseas, you can go traveling to Europe or whatever, you were, you were gone. That's not the case anymore. And is that a good thing or a bad thing that it's not the case? I personally think it's a good thing it's not the case. That I'm, I, can, I can be in Philly, but get in touch with you or a family member or whatever, any other friend here in LA, and feel at home again in case I get lonely or whatever, right? That's a benefit, as far as I'm concerned. GPS is a benefit, as, as far as I'm concerned. Not have... Do you know what the um, the Thomas Guide is? Oh, it was, it was like the, the map to yeah. figure out how to get to certain yeah, places. Yeah, my dad has one in his trunk still. He still uses it, that man. I mean, that's, that's, when I was a kid, that's how we got to places. You know, it, and it would tell you which page to flip with when, once the page ended, and, and then the highway would continue there. I mean... Uh, it's useful to have because, again, nothing is perfect. These things you might not know, you know, where you might not have service or the battery dies and you're screwed. Now you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. So it's good to have a Thomas Guide in your car. But for the most part, you, we don't need Thomas Guides anymore. Why? Because we live in an age where, in the palm of your hand, on your watch even, you're being given step-by-step -step directions. You know, I don't have to print MapQuest anymore. When I first started driving, when I got my license, MapQuest was the thing. It was just awesome. But you would print it the night before, if you were diligent about it, right, responsible. You'd look over a little bit, and you're like, okay, I kind of vaguely understand. If you missed an exit, though, you maybe stop and ask directions or whatever. you got to find the other on-ramp to go back the opposite direction. Now, this just reroutes everything for you in real time. How is that not a benefit that's beyond me? And people say, oh, it's making people dumb, or that that's an empirical question. Then it's conjecture. We don't know if that's the case or not. And in fact, uh, to my knowledge, there are studies being done on this as we speak, where 10, 15 tw years from now, these studies will be released. And I think uh, we will have some very fascinating findings. I know there are a few studies that have come out of China, I believe, a few years ago about the relationship between phone usage, smartphone usage, and the hours of spent and depression in children and things like that. And it's very controversial, obviously, and very tenuous, I think, but speaks, I think, to a point where there might be some connections there, sure, you know, especially in the age of social media now where everything's measured against likes and who can garner the most followers and all of that. And you can go into deep de depression, depression if you're, <clears throat> you know, vying against somebody with, you know, who's more popular than you are, for example, and you think you're another failure because you can't 
that's bad. That's that's arguably not a good thing. You know that that that's very superficial, and that could be that is then one of the drawbacks of of this. So it's not perfect by any means, but I the luxury that it affords. As I mentioned, you know, just giving one example, but there's so many other new, there are numerous other ones. There are medical breakthroughs, things like that. Doctors using these technologies for various procedures of that sort. I mean, that's it's it's immense. I mean, that that arguably should never, in anybody's right mind, be done away with because it may potentially it's making people quote unquote assuming it's even true keeping people dumb because they're just playing games on it all day. Well, I mean. <coughs> You know, it's funny because uh, there are memes, ironically, that show, I think, from the middle of the 20th century, like when everybody, you know, you'll see photographs of people in, like, the subway or whatever, in a bus or some public location glued to their phone, their phone screen, and there are photographs of people glued to newspapers, basically, from, like, the 50s. Again, in the same public environment, but instead of a phone, it was a print, Right. How is that? It's not much different if you think about it. The concept is still the same. The people are still glued to something. It's just the medium changed. I'm sure when, when the printing press became a thing, you know, and they started printing books, uh, there, I'm sure there were some naysayers then, uh, you know, some really uh, petrified individuals said, you know, what is it, what's the world going to come to now? You know, who's going to go out and tend to farms instead of just going to read books or whatever? And, you know, the travesty. Of course, we ended up being just fine as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's a good thing for the printing press in its existence I think these, these these advancements in technology just need to be supervised like you said you could play games or you could learn an immense amount of educational material so if there's no supervision you could that's, that's destroy yourself or you could use it to your advantage the the dangers that I see with like just digital itself is you know there's without being a physical aspect of things your existence could be like deleted off the face of the planet with the click of a button. So similar to like how agents operate, like double agents, triple agents in, in different countries like United States, China, America, Russia, they could w- essentially wipe a social security number. You know, this is what they do. They actually, they'll wipe your social, wipe your name and you're a different person now. And mm-hmm. then they could do, they could keep doing it over and over. True. So how quickly data could be just removed and you know nobody will even know you ever existed those are but once again that goes with supervision of things so yes and the regulation of such yes the regulation of things and precautionary measures to avoid things like that and like what you said with the phone as far as like people just destroying themselves um using it to benefit themselves to become smarter essentially and not dumber Mm mm-hmm yeah, no question. I mean, and that's where you, that's where I draw the line with children again. Um, it, to me, that's critical. Adult supervision is important. You know, you want your child to be technologically adept. Sure, let them have a smartphone, but there are limitations. Just as much you want the television to raise them, same way, equally, you wouldn't want a phone or a computer screen to raise them either. So, <clears throat> you know, put limitations, you know, supervise them as a parent. I know it's easier to just sit them in front of a computer or, or television and let the computer and the television do the raising part, but that's the problem. Uh, that's not how it should be. Let them learn how to use phones, but limit severely limit their internet access. You know, uh, until they those formative years have have come and gone in a sense, and they can think for themselves slowly and surely. You can. It's it's a very sensitive thing, of course, and there's a lot of nuance there. Uh, some children are far more adept than others in picking up things, uh, the nuances, and they learn faster, and they learn better um, in many cases. And as a parent, you're supposed to 
And I know it's not easy, but you're supposed to be able to pick up on these things. How much can this kid really, you know, internalize and really analyze, you know, what's being told to them? Can can he or she really do so? These are important questions to ask as a parent, I'm sure. But limit limit their exposure. Now it's a different story when you're an adult. Again, if you if you can if you can live comfortably and you know you you don't need much assistance to go about your life, etc., and you can make your decisions on your own volition, etc., then you should be the sole decision making factor or individual in what you do with your smartphone. Granted, uh, given that you don't violate somebody else's rights, that's the golden rule essentially. If you're not hurting anybody else in their pocketbook, in their physical or mental well-being, then as far as I'm concerned, you live and let live. That's my philosophy. The government shouldn't decide that for you. But uh, but the government should decide certain things as far as regulating things go. We have antitrust laws for a reason, mono- anti, you know, monopoly laws, things, things of that sort. And that's important in the age of especially con- media conglomerations where one or two major corporations essentially own all of the information uh, that is being disseminated. That is a recipe for disaster no question it can certainly get out of hand very quickly and arguably some people can make the cogent argument today that it already has you know with facebook owning everything essentially oh yeah i mean and you're going into law you could potentially you know figure out how how we could combat this but you know they're yeah they're storing everyone's information with algorithms and now there's like there's censorship issues and it's you know that yeah. it's all sorts of it's craziness it is um, it is it's, and it's fascinating to me it's crazy but it's, that's exactly you're right there are people as we speak who are uh, toiling in these legal sort of quagmires in the in these uh, in this web of of this com- complex legal issues and I like it I personally like it it's 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 that's the age we live in that's going to be the future and it already it's already here may as well embrace it for what it is. And let's kind of sort it out because in no other period in human history was this a thing. Obviously, you know there were copyright, trademark issues, things like that. That's always technically been a thing since those things have been around. The concept of trademarking and copywriting, for example, or registering something. But when it was in tangible form, you can argue it was limited in its scope and its reach, versus now the pervasiveness of its being digital as well. So entire libraries now can be digitally copied and are, in fact. Is it a copyright infringement then if you're copy-pasting something and placing it somewhere else? These are legal questions, literally. I mean, that trademark and sort of copyright attorneys have to answer on a daily basis as we speak. So yeah, the technology far outpaces our own ability to even grasp it, I believe. It grows exponentially. In fact, I, I forget... And I shouldn't I shouldn't be coded on this, but I, there's a period I think by 2055 or something like that, in a period of about five or six years, technology will so far outpace everything far preceding it that you can combine everything that came before. It'll grow so exponentially that it'll that five or six year period combined the amount of growth in technological change will far outweigh everything in human history prior to that combined, which is insane. If this is true. It's you can't fathom that, and you can't even wrap your mind around that. It's it's scary and fascinating at the same time. I'd I'd love to live to see it. I want to, but I'm also fearful of what the hell that's going to be like. Well, that that actually parlays into the final question that I was going to ask oh, you. Sure. sure. So, some people believe this that that has already happened, and that like billions of years ago, trillion or maybe an insurmountable amount of years that we can't even fathom, that's beyond our comprehension, that that already occurred and 
you know, w- what we can possibly think of technology progressing to in the course of a few thousand years, if you could possibly comprehend it progressing over the course of billions or trillions of years mm-hmm. from where the point we are, we're at right now, mm-hmm. and physically being able to put people into simulations, mm-hmm. could we possibly be in a simulation, <laughs> like simulation theory, which is something that Elon Musk oh. has talked about? Yeah, 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 we, the short answer to that is yes, we can. Are we? I, I honestly don't know. I, it's a complicated question. You know, it's all a dream. You know, what if uh, this this is just a figment of your imagination that you're actually asleep and you're kind of that's what your life really is. And when you die, it's a long. Dream. That's when the real. That's when you wake up essentially. Which and I say fine. You know, it, let's assume for the sake of discussion that that's true, and or that it's all a simulation. I'm. I feel like I'm a pragmatist generally, and I and I subscribe to that, the that line of thinking or philosophy, and that is, if within this simulation there are certain laws of nature like the laws of thermodynamics or or physics right that hold true as far as we can tell through our discovery of them through mathematics and logic if all of that is still true then it doesn't matter to me that if i if i were to exit the second story window of a house instead of the front door without any assistance that 10 times out of 10 i'm gonna well if i'm assuming i even reach a 10th attempt right what's gonna happen every time I'm going to fall because of the law of gravity, essentially, because of the existence of gravity. Which were the, the laws created by the person that created the simulation, oh, essentially. Oh, well, okay, fair. Let's say that, that that's the case, that it's a computer, basically, program. Well, I say, so what? Okay, so what? Then so be it. Then live within that paradigm, live in that context. Whether you know it or not, doesn't really in the abstract doesn't really matter. It'd be cool to know. It'd be cool to reach out to them and go like, "Hey, what's going on here? What are you doing?" Or what's on the outside of the simulation? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know that multi then the multiverse things thing comes in you know, multiple universes or whatever. Maybe this is one simulation and there are trillions of other simultaneous simulations popping in and out of existence at the same time. I don't know. It's fascinating to ponder, and this is where human creativity and curiosity really speaks for itself where we can sit and have these discussions to our knowledge that no other human, uh, excuse me, no other animal or species can do this, at least as far as we know. And that itself is a fascinating exercise. Whether it's true or not is besides the point. The fact that you can even sit and ponder this itself should be a gift that you should cherish. And it happens to the best of us where our imagination gets, <clears throat> takes us to far off corners and you know, really reaches kind of you get stretched thin, and you get to these endpoints, and you're like, "Whoa!" You trip yourself out sometimes. You're like, "Wow, what if it is?" You know, frankly, I I don't dwell on it too much, though. Yeah, you know, I do think about it as well. No question, it'd be a life I said I hadn't. But I, I'm immediately then grounded back down. I'm reminded of the fact that what I just said that even if it's true, a there's really no feasible way of my knowing it now. Like, there's just no way. But if there is, by all means, I'm, I'll be the first one. Let's go find out. Let me know how, and let's let's do it. But realistically, there isn't. So, therefore, then in conclusion, it's it's potentially a waste of time for me to sit and ponder it because it's just not going to go anywhere. It'll be, it might make for a cute and interesting you know short story or something if you're if you have a proclivity to, to write. Yeah, you know, you're a good science fiction writer, perhaps, and that's your how your career takes hold and takes shape. Great. But other than that. It's just it's a fun, interesting. I think short-lived exercises should be short-lived at least because practical considerations are still paramount. The bills you have to pay, 
the obligations you know that you have you got to go to work the next day uh you got to make sure you follow the laws of nature when you're driving and physics right because those things uh, supersede us you know the work second class citizens as far as i'm aware to them and it's always been that way you know we people think it's cute that some people think you can bend laws of nature uh, to your favor and that these people actually exist it's it's a cute idea but it's it's make-believe short of any tangible evidence of this and there is no evidence you'd have to just relegate it to again the science fiction reading section of the library yeah no harm in that some of the best science fiction has included things like this wormhole traveling things like that you know and perhaps you know it can be true and or perhaps I should, sorry I should say maybe it is true but are necessary we are necessarily limited in discovering them because we just haven't uh, invented uh, such instrument to be able to discover certain aspects of it. that very well may be the case in fact I, I would so I would uh, posit that it is in fact the case that a thousand years from now they'll look at the years tw- they'll look at back at the year 2021 and go like can you imagine what these how limited their these people's knowledge was over so and x y and z so and so much as we do over when we look at the year you know you know 700 bc or whatever and we get medical understanding or the our knowledge of the cosmos vis-a-vis now that's always going to be the case that arrow again points almost certainly only in one direction for a reason uh, each subsequent generation will improve upon the next or the previous one you would hope at least, and that gets that ball rolling. And I want to be part and parcel of that. I want to be an individual that had something to do with the, that, the rolling of that ball, directly or indirectly, for progeny, for future generations, for not just my potential future kids, but other people's kids, and this, this spe- the human species as a whole. I won't be around, obviously, neither will you. Axiomatically, that which is born dies. That is a fact of nature, whether it's in this simulation, uh, in this sim- sorry, simulation or not. But... Uh, I do care enough where I want that ball not to become stagnant and just stop, but for it to continue to keep rolling. And that, to me, is what science is, the beauty of the scientific method, and that that's gotten us this far, and will almost certainly get us far, far eons ahead if we just allow it to do what it does naturally, and for the people who actually dedicate their entire life's work to furthering it, to do it in an unfettered sort of ethical sense. And that, that to me, is precious. Apart from that, yes, you know, truth is far stranger than fiction, as as the saying goes, and it very well may be the case that we are sitting as a small sort of on a on, a, on the head of a small pin, basically, microscopically speaking, and that there are overlords essentially, or this the, the people who put that into motion, this simulation's author, if you will. I just hope that. Uh this simulation isn't like the game that I created for my friend Alex Vivanko. Because uh, when we were, I don't, do you remember Game Boy? Sure, of course. So there was uh, something called Super Game Boy, where you could you could play the Game Boy games on Super Nintendo and plug in the the Super Super Game Boy into the Super oh, Nintendo. Yeah. Put, put the, and there was a game. I, I I gotta find out what the name of this game was, but you could create your own game within the game. And oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, so I created a game that was unwinnable, so, and and I, so so he would just nice. keep trying every day. He, he didn't keep, know this. No, and every day he would play the game oh, every, every single day for oh, wow. years. That's clever. <laughs> for years, <laughs> trying to beat this game, and he just did, so I hope. Uh, our, did you eventually tell him? 
Yeah, I, I, oh, I should have told it. <laughs> I had a, a long laugh. Um, I, I would too. I'm, I'm laughing now. It's, that's genius, bro. That's excellent. So hopefully we're not I see one what of you're those. Saying. Ah, it's an unwillable. It's an unwillable winnable game, huh? If well, I, I did it for a laugh, I mean, we wouldn't be laughing because we would we would be in the unwinnable right. game. But well, but who say that that creator isn't laughing also? Maybe they're listening to this conversation right now and just just can help. But but then it begs the question also, like perhaps theirs is a simulation also. It's a, so it's an infinite regress, which becomes a little fallacious in reasoning because it would never stop. But then who created that simulation? This is the age-old question about the God stuff. You know, who created your God? Yeah, well, and then no matter which way you look at it, it's sort of something that's unthinkable. If, you know, if, if it keeps going and going and going, or if it stops at a certain point, both of them are sort of like incomprehensible to us. Yeah, yeah. Our no- human knowledge is necessarily limited. There's no denying that. I'm certain of this. And the, the evidence for that is just a reflection of human existence prior to me and you coming along onto the scene. How, how far we've progressed. And then, like I said, a thousand years from now, assuming the species is still around, they'll reflect back on the year 2020, 2021, or whatever. And they'll go like, look, these people are burning fossil fuels to for internal combustion engines. Can you imagine how pathetic that is? Like, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah. I mean, I hope that that's the case. I really, part of me genuinely hopes that they this species advances so far ahead that it's unfathomable to you and me sitting here going like, whoa, look, you know, simple thought experiment I mean again go back 1500 years with the smartphone in your hand or my hand and show people you would be indistinguishable from a god and that's Isaac Asimov's I think quote like any I believe I'm going to bastardize this but something any technology I think that's incomprehensible or something like that you should look it up is like indistinguishable from reality or, or hold on sorry I gotta look this up because it, it'll kill me no yeah and it's it just yeah something about magic yeah, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Really, think about it. There's no such thing as magic. No, everything that's magic has an explanation behind it, whether it's sleight of hand or or some as-yet-understandable thing. But then we have come along and uncovered why it happens. Thunderstorms, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, etc. There's nothing magical about these things other than the fact that they're awe-inspiring and they're awesome to see. Maybe in that sense, magical. But apart from that we have valid explanations for why they occur and how they occur the causation behind them which is the backbone of science but if you if you were to go back in time with 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 a laptop or a remote control or or you know smartphone and you showed it to indigenous populations in any part of the world they would either kill you as some kind of witch or some kind of wizard or something or they would worship you at the altar i mean literally put you on a pedestal and consider you their god because that <coughs> At a flip of a switch, you're turning. You can turn on the light bulb or whatever. You take a light bulb with you. Whatever you you show them take. You show them electricity. Whatever. They would try to kill you. It it already happened actually a few years ago. Where I don't know if you heard. There's an indigenous island. I don't know if it's still, if they've actually gone to the island and started teaching them uh-huh. modern day technologies. But this was the last remaining indigenous island where people lived in the wild. Oh, and, excuse me. Yeah. And someone from around here, I don't know if it was, uh, I think it was like Seattle or in Oregon or Washington or Canada, one of those, he went over there to try to teach them religion. And he, I don't know exactly what happened, but it was something like he came with the the book and he was reading it and then they they shot him with spears and he died. Well, I mean... (laughs) Put yourself in those indigenous people's, you know, shoes. Uh, 
you're going to think this guy's crazy. I mean, he looks different than you. You've never seen somebody like this. Your basic instincts of survival kick in. That's a human trait through and through, no matter what period of human history you're from. We haven't evolved that far from 10,000 years ago when we were hunter and gatherers, and survival and procreation still permeate every sense of your being, essentially. You're genetically predisposed to this stuff, so immediately... You're that hunter-gatherer type individual on this island. You've never have had any contact with outside civilization. There's a guy holding something you don't even know what it looks like. So yeah, you're gonna you want to you you he might kill you, so you're gonna want to kill him first. And that's what which is unfortunate. Him. Yeah, that's very unfortunate because obviously the, the, I'm sure he did, wasn't there to try to kill him. Well, at least I hope because that's we have episodes in history where they would, some people would beg to defer. Sadly, but but yes, that's that's. The only way you can conceptualize this of what technology may look like 2,000, 3,000 years from now, vis-a-vis ours, there's just no way, and I speak for myself, but please, I hope somebody can also, you know, if there's somebody who does know, I would love to hear from them. If they can fathom what this is going to be like, you know, you soon you'll, instead of flat screen televisions and, and households, you'll have you know, 3D holograph, holographic sort of projection inside your living room. That'll be the next, I think, phase, to my knowledge. Yeah, and I, I think planes and cars, I, I don't even see, like, those existing. Like, I, I don't know if you heard China teleported a photon into outer space. Oh, yeah, yeah I remember that. Ago, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, that was the thing, yeah. Teleportation, you know, you, you're talking, if, you, if you're looking one, two, five thousand years down the line, why can't teleportation be a thing yeah, where you could just sure. teleport to wherever you want to go? There's there's nothing in theory, at least. Well, I mean, nothing really holding that from becoming reality or holding it back, except for the fact that we wipe each other out as a species before we ever attain the ability to achieve that. Short of that, I think we attain such things potentially and more. Where again, I can't even sit and fathom it with you discussing it right now. Given sufficient amount of time, what sufficient amount of time means is that's that's the that's debatable. You know what is sufficient amount of time? Like I said, there'll be a period in human history where, and this will happen in our lifetime, where it'll grow so exponentially it'll dwarf everything combined, preceding it, for all of time, all of recorded human history. That's insane. You're talking about the all the different ages, the Iron Age, the Bronze Age, all those things, all the technology that came along with it. You know, agricultural industries and all of that, and industrialization, and then you come, you know, the 20th century, and then the age of this, the technological advances of the 21st century, etc. And now all of a sudden you reach a period where, in a blink of an eye, literally, things have grown so much where you're like, whoa, time out. You know, I gotta catch, I gotta sit down, and it's making my head spin. The microscopic sort of amount of thing, you can fit terabytes of information where you needed to move something with a train, essentially, or a truck that had maybe a few megabytes of data on it, capabilities in the 20th century. That was a hard drive. It's the size of this room. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, think about it. I, mean, when I, I would explain to my dad what an MP3, MP3 player was, even a 256 megabyte MP3 player in 2001 or 2002. You can you know, fit, like, I don't know, 15 songs onto this thing. Well, that's pretty cool. And then some guy had, like, a gig worth of memory you can fit like dozens of songs it's like holy crap and then somebody's computer had like you know 256 gigs of, of memory and you can fit thousands of songs on there like thousands of songs you're like that's insane you know that at, at, and, and when he was my age that meant you had vinyls or cassettes or something thousands of those 
that took up physical space in a room in the storage somewhere not the size of a laptop or a desktop computer that you can't really even touch it's just zeros and ones essentially digitally that's a I mean <laughs> I don't know how else to put it yeah and so use that try to ground yourself based on that and kind of contextualize it that way but even then you realize you kind of run into these dead ends these cul-de-sacs you're like no, I can't but all that said uh, you kind of look forward to it at least I do I'm sure you do too as well but I want to see it yeah, as much I as mean, I can could you imagine living in a society where you could just teleport to anywhere on the planet and in, in literally in the blink of an eye well yeah I mean that would be awesome much as I said earlier remember I said that you travel like you go somewhere to Europe or Asia let's say from LA and you have Wi-Fi connection sure you don't even need Wi-Fi connection you, you have cellular data in some parts of remote forests and things like that that are better than LA and all of a sudden you're connecting almost at the speed of light to folks back home and you guys can see and talk to each other face to face Oh, and then VR goggles be become a thing. You're sitting here in your living room. Somebody's in Shanghai uh, or somebody's in Paris, and you guys are having coffee together. But it's as if you're sitting right across from me as I'm sitting from you right now. Then you mentioned teleportation. Okay. Well, if, if this would have been sufficiently indistinguishable from, you know, magic 2,000 years ago, even 200 years ago, well, why wouldn't teleportation be a thing then, right? Have you seen Jumper? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, and then that not as good as the Matrix film viewing. That's teleportation. That's a teleportation movie. Okay. That's, well, you start. I'm taking notes. I got to make a list. You text me the. Uh, yeah, yeah. When we're done, you, you can play it back. You can play play the podcast back. <laughs> sure, there's that too. <clears throat> um, no, but it's yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's a society where you could teleport to wherever you want in the blink of an eye, and it's sort of the regulation behind that, and how they mm. implement implement that in society, and how they try to regulate against crime and mm -hmm. I, it, I raises, go, I it raises go. those type of questions sure I'll naturally go. it would see but uh, it, that will always no matter the technology the, the fundamental uh, sort of the, the fundamental ethical questions the, the moral dilemmas will as far as I'm concerned never be extinguished will never just go away they can't because those standard those are are, are not time con contingent they're they st they're timeless. They withstand the test of time, meaning the golden rule, dealing with one another, whether it's through smartphones or this technology or teleportation or something else or flying on an airplane. Let's face it, it's always held true. I think it stands to reason. It would be fair to conclude that no matter the technology going forward, those questions will still remain. And that's a good thing. That, that maybe grounds us as humans to go like underneath all of this technology and all these advances, we are ultimately still human. We still carry the same prejudices the same biases, the same wants, desires, good and bad, as our hunter-gatherer ancestors did tens of thousands of years ago. And that there's something, I think, uh, charming about that, if you will, something precious about that, that we should keep be mindful of. Unless somebody comes along and makes an argument and says, well, that can also, there will be a period of time where that's even going to be expunged. I mean, yeah, okay, fine, so be it. You know, I, I can't argue against that. Maybe. Um... But uh, it's fascinating, nevertheless. It's fascinating to think about. It's fascinating to chat about. It's fascinating to live through, potentially, you know, in whatever capacity that we may be lucky to live through. And I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated, too. I'm, we're, we're probably just going to see a glimpse of it. But right. what, what interests me, too, is what I think about a lot is the stuff that's going to be around when I'm not around. You know, exactly. stuff that's right. going to be around like 2,000 years from now. 
I can't, I can't imagine it, but I still try. No, that's the beauty of it. Exactly. It doesn't hurt to, you know, on a Saturday afternoon or evening or you know, you're having a lazy day or whatever, you know, you're just pondering some things or you're out camping, right? When you have a fit of this uh, creative thinking going on. And you think of these things. It doesn't hurt. This is how the best science fiction writing was done. Science fiction films were made. And in fact, certain ideas were spearheaded in science, even in, in a practical sense, where discoveries were made. The human ability to be curious and inventive and thinking. all that's, that's what's gotten us this far. And we have sort of reaped those rewards as individuals living in the 21st century with medicine, with technology, and everything from food, clothing, uh, televisions, you name it, microwaves, it's all one applied branch of science or another, and that didn't just fall from the sky. Black Mirror, that's a good sh- That's actually a show that tries to predict future technologies, okay. and every episode is different, so if, nice. if one episode you, you hate and you hate the cast, you're like, this guy sucks. <laughs> you know, this episode sucks, which I don't recommend the first episode. That's, like, the worst. Okay. But every cast is different, and every technology that they put in the show is totally different. I see. So, but they're all futuristic technologies that they're thinking can be a part of society 500, 1,000, 2,000 years from now. And it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. I, at minimum. You, you really have to be a dullard. I mean, you really have to be a dummy to not be even slightly curious about this stuff. Come on. Let's yep. be honest. It's fascinating. You don't have to really understand it. Nobody really does, I'm sure. You don't even have to understand a fraction of it. But just be curious enough to want to see it or hear about it at least or maybe read about it someplace. And that's good enough, I think. That's a good start. Because yeah, if you could think it, then it's just the engineering behind it. You know, then, then you just get the engineers and you and the, the the people that have the know-how, and you say, all right, how can exactly. we how can we make this a reality? People far smarter than I'll ever be, no question, who have laid the groundwork already. Skyscrapers, airplanes, supersonics. We sent people onto the moon and you know built satellites. I mean, these things again didn't happen by accident. Yeah, sure, there was luck involved along the way, no question. But it wasn't just luck; it was concerted effort. Uh, after effort and mathematics and people who are literally geniuses as far as I'm concerned look up to who said look this would be a good idea if we can be able to if we're able to pump oil out of the ground here or this ocean it'll benefit us although ironically that could also be a problem with greenhouse gases and everything and fossil fuels you know the burning of those but hey there was a period for about a hundred years and we're kind of in the tail end of that or maybe the middle stages where we reap those rewards human life expectancy grew exponentially you know because of petroleum as bad as it is for the environment we're kind of ironically maybe shooting ourselves in the foot with that it's a whole other conversation but at least it did confer tremendous benefits no question about that but it may be the cause of our demise with you know climate change and everything that's a whole other conversation but that spearheaded and then spurred um other technologies you know like solar panels, uh, wind turbines, etc. Those alternative energies, those are essentially byproducts of fossil fuel technology as well. You know, they're made with products that require oil, essentially, for now at least. Have you ever heard of the water-powered car? Yeah, I I have. I think it's a little embellished. I'm not gonna lie. I think if it's the same one we're thinking about, this whole notion that they came and they took it away and killed the guy or whatnot. There are certain things where. You know, you hear a lot about the stuff with Tesla, even too. Like the guy, like almost carried a son in his pocket. It's 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 cute, but it's not it's not true. I mean, 
There are certain laws of nature that you just cannot bend in your favor, like the laws of thermodynamics. Uh, they're well-intentioned often, but uh, this notion that, uh, especially in the age of this stuff, that this stuff can be kept hidden and all that, although that, that story is from much longer ago, I know. It's a little too far-fetched, you know, but we do have, you know, hydrogen-powered cars and things like that. You know, but this notion that it, it's limitless energy or whatever, if that's the argument they're making, that's a little too... What are your thoughts on product obsolescence? Product uh, obsolescence. Explain. I'm not sure. So essentially, there's there was uh, there's several instances in in this happening, but there's a light bulb that you, there's these light bulbs that were invented like many many years ago, and you can still go to this place. It's in California. It's in Northern California where the light bulbs are still working after like over a hundred years. Oh yeah, yeah. There are. Those the older technology like the Edison bulbs things like that. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So the maker of this light bulb, they they basically say that these essentially like they call them the production cartels. They basically regulate what is allowed on the market. So if it's something that's going to cut into their profits, mm-hmm. as as far it could drastically like take down a whole industry or a, a whole you know destroy your company mm-hmm. so essentially they're just looking out for themselves and their own profits but these cartels have been known to do us exactly that just if it doesn't matter how progressive the technology may be mm-hmm. if it's cutting into their profits and taking down their industry then they're known to do everything in their power to make sure that that technology doesn't get worldwide use or you know get use by the masses mm-hmm. just be, for the simple fact that it's cutting into their profits well, sure, yeah. they have a vested interest in not letting it disseminate or become ubiquitous right i i'm i would i don't know much at all in fact specifically about those instances but i i would venture to think that yeah that's that can be true i mean greed and profit motivated Things go hand in hand. It's not the first of the time, or first of its kind that you'd hear, certainly. But again, you know, this notion that uh, somehow these guys have, no matter how ingenious they are and how good at mar- marketing they are and how, how vociferous they are in their ploys and, you know, business ventures, that they've also somehow bent the laws of nature to their in their favor. That That's where I get very skeptical. And I would demand that Christopher Hitchens, the late polemical writer atheist would say extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence so when people make extraordinary claims not just regular claims mind you but extraordinary ones they better have extraordinary evidence not just regular evidence to back up those claims and often that's where it fails the test fails because they don't even have normal evidence it turns out much less extraordinary ones so again weird things do happen though and far beyond my comprehension i'm certain certain of it as we speak it's probably happening so I, I can sit here and tell you that no, it's it's not true, emphatically whatsoever, like categorically deny it. But but often when you dig deep enough and you you kind of do enough research on this stuff and you look, you just can't really find any credible sources or the evidence is so thin, so tenuous that uh, you're just better off not wasting too much mental energy on pondering it. But some people still do, and they have blogs and. They have the corner of the internets and you know the interwebs that they devote this stuff to and other people subscribe and more power to them although there's a lot of disinformation there's a lot of misinformation as a result and it, it spreads like wildfire you know we're talking about the pros and cons of technology but that 
the internet would be a prime example of the quintessential actually example of why some things can be so good in technology and bad at the same time yeah and to to figure out the engineering behind a lot of these things and fact checking it, it could yeah. it takes a lot of energy and can you can deviate from the things that you need to accomplish on an everyday basis which are your main focus so right it's it's difficult yeah very much so it is very difficult but that's what some people devote their entire life's work to and good for them you know I, I envy them I applaud them certainly it's, they have more they're more courageous than I am in, in the sense so everybody kind of finds their niche and you kind of do what you have a genuine passion for uh, and we kind of look up to these people the ones who are the true pioneers I think the trailblazers in these various fields yeah Narek thank you for coming on this thank podcast you, it, it's been a pleasure pleasure having you it's been my pleasure being here thank you for having me it's, it's this has been an awesome awesome experience first of its kind for me and I, you know this is this well, I wasn't expecting some of these incisive questions uh, very good questions I might add you're a good interviewer this is awesome thank you and uh, if this is a simulation I hope to see you on the <laughs> other side of it brother thank you bro alright you're listening to the Willie Diggs podcast brought to you by Willie Diggs Productions check out Productions.com for all your photography and videography needs